a bit of time looking at a phrase that Christians oftentimes talk about, that phrase of how we are supposed to be in the world but not of the world. And, and we looked at what that meant for Jesus and what that really should mean for us as well. And we looked at that prayer that he prayed from John chapter 17. Well, now for uh, the rest of this day, what I want us to kind of focus on is a response of Jesus, uh, a response to the question that people ask of him. They ask, I guess, technically they ask his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And that comes from Matthew chapter nine. And I think that it is so closely connected with that phrase that we looked at this morning, how we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. So the question is valid. Why was Jesus the teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners. Now, let me also just kind of uh, back this up and, and state this. I think most of you already know this, but tax collectors and sinners, that's kind of a phrase for, you know, think of the worst sinners that you could think of and lump them all together. And this was this phrase, tax collectors and sinners. So, I mean, you know, to us, uh, yeah, we probably don't think of tax collectors quite as negatively as what they did, but let's face it, who really likes uh, to talk to people who collect taxes in the first place. So, you know, anyways, some of that maybe still carries over today, but in their day, this was a big deal. You know, tax collectors, they weren't the people that you typically wanted to associate with, especially if you were a well-known religious teacher. So why was Jesus eating with those people? And I guess technically I should probably mention this as well. Eating is a sign of fellowship. Now, 
we might not connect it quite as closely as what Jesus' audience would have, but every time that we eat with somebody else, there is a close connection with that person. You know, you it takes time in order to sit down and eat a meal together. Uh, yes, during our our culture, yeah, we can go out and grab a, a quick bite to eat, and yeah, it's maybe not as time consuming. But during Jesus' day, if you went out and you ate with somebody, uh, for starters, you didn't go out so much and eat with somebody, you would invite them into your home. You would have close contact, close connection with these people. So the fact that Jesus is having this close contact, this close connection, and this time being spent with tax collectors and sinners, it was rightfully getting people to ask questions, why is Jesus doing this? This is Jesus's response, and this is kind of furthering this idea how we are called to be in the world, but we're not of the world. There should be a difference in us. This is the difference that Jesus is going to address. Let's start off by looking at the surrounding verses of this phrase. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 13. As Jesus went off from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is explaining his purpose. He's explaining his response to this. They want to know, why is he spending time? Why is he associating with these sinners? What does Jesus, the one who is supposed to be bringing the light into the world, what does Jesus have to do with that type of darkness? Well, what Jesus responds with is a, a beautiful image that he says in verse 12, that it's not the ones who are healthy who need this doctor. It's those who are sick. Jesus came into the world to heal us. He came to bring salvation, but whenever you look in the, the, the idea of what salvation is, it's deliverance. It's this freedom that he brought. And part of that was that deliverance from sicknesses. In this case, of course, we're talking not just physical sicknesses, although Jesus did his fair share of that as well, but we're really talking about spiritual sicknesses. Those people who are spiritually sick, they need a doctor. They need Jesus that we oftentimes, you know, might even call. And we have a song titled The Great Physician. It has to do with how Jesus was this great physician. He is the one who heals those people who are sick. And Jesus also gives them a little bit of a homework assignment in verse 13. He says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now, if you want to go and, and learn what that means, you can start by looking at where it was originally found. It was found in the book of Hosea, in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. And this whole book is, is talking about a, a time that, that really Hosea is called to act out what God has been doing with the nation of Israel. And so what God has been doing with the nation of Israel is God has been forever faithful to Israel, even though Israel is, in essence, oftentimes cheating on God. Israel, the whole nation, keeps going after these other gods. And the, the person of Hosea is called to, to bring them 
to repentance, to get them to open their eyes and recognize what they are really doing. And here, part of this phrase that I desire mercy, not sacrifice, it shows us something about the heart of God, that God was desiring mercy for the people who were even turning their very backs on him. But then he also says that he wants his people to show mercy to one another and not just sacrifice. He doesn't want us to go to borrow a phrase from today. He doesn't want us to just go through the motions. It's more than that. He doesn't want us just to, to make the necessary sacrifices that God wants. God wants us much more than that. He wants us to truly understand what mercy is about, not so much what the just the physical sacrifice is about. And yeah, this is a little different for us because our sacrifices aren't the same uh, like what they would have been during the Old Testament. I mean, literally during the Old Testament, it was you would go and you would sacrifice an animal. That would be your sacrifice. But what God is wanting is he wants us to understand that mercy behind the sacrifice, not just going through the motions of offering that sacrifice. Now, for us as Christians, of course, those sacrifices are a little different. Those sacrifices are a little bit more spiritually uh, focused. And, and, you know, we think about those things. Now, we do have a physical sacrifice. Now, the physical sacrifice that we have today, of course, the ultimate one, was Jesus. And he was the one who sacrificed himself. But what does that really mean? That's what Jesus is trying to get his audience right here to figure out. Go and learn what it means that God desires mercy, not sacrifice. It takes time to learn this about mercy. After all, you might be able to, to explain to someone else, you know, or even to yourself, you, you might be able to understand why God wants sacrifices. But what about this mercy that is behind the whole sacrificial system? I mean, after all, isn't that what God was showing upon everybody who sacrificed something? He was showing mercy. So what God wants us to do is to see what he was doing all along. And that is, he was showing mercy. He was extending mercy. He was teaching us the way of mercy. That's why it's so much more important than just, you know, who you eat with. That it wasn't so much of a problem that Jesus was eating with these tax collectors and sinners. It was the fact that they were the ones who were sick. They were the ones who needed help. And then in verse 13, that Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners. That sums up the whole ministry of Jesus. It was to go to people who were sinners and to help turn them into saints. That's the type of business that Jesus was into, so to speak. That's what Jesus wanted for even uh, those people who were questioning him. You know, these Pharisees, he wanted that for the Pharisees to understand that, look, they have sin and they need to also come to God as well. They don't need to be satisfied within their own self-righteousness, but they need to come to God and truly receive this mercy, not just offer up the sacrifices to him. And Jesus has many different ways of showing this and many different ways of teaching this. So Jesus' response to eating with tax collectors and sinners he came to those people who were sick, not the ones who were healthy. He came to those who were sinners, not the ones who were righteous. And he wants them to go and learn what the phrase means, that God desires mercy, not sacrifice. Now, Jesus teaches this lesson time and time again. Let's look at another time that he teaches this. 
In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus tells a story that is still just kind of diving into answering this question. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 28 through 32, Jesus says this, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. This is diving even more into that, that lesson that Jesus was telling them, that they needed to know, that they needed to go and learn, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And Jesus is showing them what that mercy looks like. Not so much about the sacrifice, but what the mercy looks like, the mercy behind those sacrifices. And he tells the people here that these tax collectors, these sinners, these prostitutes, they are entering the kingdom of God ahead of these who most people consider righteous people. He says, John came and he was preaching this way of righteousness. Those others, they listened. The, the, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, they listened to John. They listened to this message that came from God. But these religious leaders, they closed their ears to the truth. They still didn't repent and believe John. They didn't repent and believe in Jesus Christ. They failed to do those things. And of course, this lesson about the two sons one of them said he would do the work and then he didn't do it. The other one said that he wouldn't do it, but then he did. Which one of them truly did what the father wanted? The first one. The first one is the one who said at first that he wasn't going to do what he was supposed to do. But then he later changed his mind and he did it. That's just like how the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners were. They at first were, by the way they lived their life, they said, I'm not going to follow God. But they later changed their mind. And they followed him. And because of that, we see this also concept about the first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus was teaching them that they needed to repent. See, this is also very important that we understand that, that Jesus is not just taking lightly forgiving these people of their sins. We looked at that both, I guess, also this morning, but we looked at that last week as well, that Jesus is not taking these things lightly. He is still calling them to repent. Now he's calling the, the so-called righteous one, these religious leaders, he's calling them to repent because these tax collectors and sinners, they've already done that. They've already repented. Everyone needs to repent. That's the message of Jesus. Those are the ones who are sick. The only way to be made well is to repent and to follow Jesus Christ. If you want to know just how much God has loved us and have shown us this mercy, the Apostle Paul writes about that in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. 
While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. This is how much our God loves us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5 verse 8, but it's such a powerful lesson that we need to understand. This is why Jesus told them, go and learn what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This is mercy. This is what's at the heart of the sacrifice. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, it really, really saddens me whenever I hear somebody say that they are going to get their life right and then come and follow Christ. Because that is just a, a sad misunderstanding of how we do get our life right. You cannot get your life right with God until you just come to Christ and choose to follow him. Now, by that, I don't mean that we just continue in the same ways of sin after we become Christians. Because that, that's not what Jesus ever promoted. What Jesus promoted was, while we were still sinners, while we were still within our sin, Christ died for us. He doesn't ask us to get our life right and then come to him. He asks us to come to him so that our lives can be made right. This is what Paul is telling us. Christ has given us this type of love. He's shown us this type of sacrifice. He's given us this type of of mercy. Christ has died for us. He has made a way for us to follow him. He has made a way for us to be reconciled with God. We don't have to be an enemy of God. We can be a friend of God. We can be saved and receive salvation because of what Christ has done for us. And I want to, to end this lesson with, with a, another story that Jesus taught. Going back to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you know, yeah, you probably noticed looking on the screen, it's kind of a lengthy story. I'm not going to comment too much on this story. But I guess this is maybe just as Jesus was giving homework to, to his audience. I guess I'm giving you a little bit of homework as well. That I want you to, to think about what this parable really means. I want you to spend some time about it. I want you to go and learn what Jesus is stating about this. Listen to this parable, and you'll notice a lot of parallels in what we've been looking at uh, in this video. Matthew chapter 22, verses one through 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murders and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, 
but those I invited did not, uh, did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. I think this parable teaches us a lot about Jesus's response. Whenever the question was asked, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus is explaining that. He's explaining that in this parable. And I think that we need to, to figure out what does this parable really mean? What was Jesus talking about? Who are these people who were originally invited, who, who rejected his call? And who are the people who were just brought in to the banquet hall? But then I also want you to, to give a little bit of time into this last little bit, though, as well. What about this one man who wasn't wearing the right clothes, wearing these, these wedding clothes? How did he get in among this group? And why was the king so upset with him? Now, I'll give you just a little bit of a hint on this last one because I, I don't want to just leave you with that one just completely open-ended. I want you to recognize that the fact that he has this question, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? It implies that those wedding clothes would have somehow you know, been, been readily available for this guy. So how did he get into this place without going through these, these proper channels? Well, all of these things are important questions. And all of these things, I think, are a response to Jesus, uh, of Jesus, I'm sorry, to that question. Why was he eating with sinners and tax collectors? Well, this parable gives us the answer. These things that we've been looking at gives us the answers. We see this love of God, and we see that God truly does. He desires mercy and not just sacrifice. Let's learn these lessons, and let's figure out what it should look like in our own lives if we did the same types of things, if we ate, so to speak, with tax collectors and sinners, just like Jesus did. Please hear my cry, O God. Father, wipe my tears. From darkness far away I cry for you to bring me near. My heart is overwhelmed. My spirit is cast down. But the shelter of your wings, my Lord, leads me through this troubled ground. The shelter of your wings is a fortress for the fight against the enemy, the foe of truth and right. The shelter of your wings lifts my spirit so to sing. How I love the blessed comfort of the shelter of your wings. Your shelter sets me free from grips of sin and shame. In 
beneath your wings I soar, lifted high by Jesus' name. My strength is in your power, my might is not my own. It's the shelter of your wings that will carry me toward home. The shelter of your wings is a fortress for the fight against the enemy, the foe of truth and right. The shelter of your wings lifts my spirit so to sing. How I love the blessed comfort of the shelter of your wings. Your mercy and your truth led through the troubled way. The heritage of hope led me high when low I Mixed with justice in the shelter of your wings. The shelter of your wings is a fortress for the fight against the enemy, the foe of truth and right. The shelter of your wings lifts my spirit so to sing. How I love the blessed comfort of the shelter of your wings.